afternoon, America, and welcome to the Deeds List. We are watching the rise of anti-Semitism across college campuses all over the country, and we're not the only ones noticing. The House Education and Workforce Committee has called on the carpet three big-time presidents of three big-time schools, Harvard, MIT, and Penn, and you're not going to want to miss what we uncover. We're going to jump into it next on the Deeds List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. All right, thank you for joining me today. We are happy to have you on board. The uh, the stack is full. <laughs> the stack of papers is piling high. We've got a lot to cover today. Uh, I, I and you know I hope there's time to maybe jump into a quick history class. I would love to to jump into a, to a history class. Today's December 7th. There's historical things for us to discuss today. But first, but first, let's, um, you know, just when you thought this thing was going to, you know, get, get under control, you know, ultimately, just when you thought, uh, I don't even want to say cooler heads would prevail, smarter heads, really, uh, kind, compassionate, common sense heads would prevail. Uh Uh-uh. No. No, we we have wokeism that has run amok on college campuses. It's run amok. And now it's happening in the form of uh, anti-Semitism. I'm I'm looking at this article by Hank Berrien. Hank Berrien. It starts out by saying roughly three out of four Jewish college students report that they have experienced some sort of anti-Semitism on campus. Either they have experienced it directly, firsthand, or they have firsthand watched it unfold. According to the study conducted by the Anti-Defamation League and the Hillel International, and Hillel International, nearly 73% of students say they have been victimized or saw someone who was victimized. And this is coming out of the New York Post. Uh, In 2021, the percentage was 63%. You know, so we're up 10 percentage points to, uh, you know, almost three quarters. Uh, Roughly three out of four Jewish students say, yeah, yeah, it's either happened to me or I've watched it happen to someone else right in front of my very eyes. Uh, and and that's appalling. It's appalling that college campuses are allowing this to happen. Well, Dean, how do you know they're allowing it to happen? Oh, 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 oh. oh man, by the time we're done today, oh, you are going to be, mm, you're going to be beside yourself. Okay, this is a show you're going to want to share. And um, And the only reason I say that is because this information has to be, this is the information that has to be shared. It's this type of information. In order for Americans to wake up, this information needs to be shared. Now, this audience right here, the America Out Loud audience, is awake. If you are listening to me right now, whether live or in podcast form, I know you're awake. Or maybe someone has shared this with you and you're about to awake about to awaken. Maybe you've not yet uh, awakened, but perhaps you're about to. 
All right. So if you're listening to this in podcast, share it. If you're listening to it live, then, uh, you know, call someone and say, hey, you're going to want to listen to this. Okay. The statistics from the study uh, present a disconcerting picture of the hate on campuses nationwide. That is a quote from Adam Lehman. He's the president and CEO of Hillel International. Uh, it, yes, it is a picture of, of hate on campuses nationwide, and it's really a picture of hate in the country. And it's a hate, my friends, that is being pushed by the left. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I said it. All right, the quote from Adam Lehman continues. Widespread experiences with anti-Semitism, as reported in this survey, are driving Jewish students to hide their identities. What does that remind you of? All right, how many of you have read the book, The Hiding Place? All right, raise your hand if you've read it. If you have not read The Hiding Place, go buy it. Yeah, I mean, right now, go buy it and make it one of your reads. Make it something that, I mean, maybe read it over Christmas break. I'm warning you right now, it is not a pleasant read, but it is an eye-opening read. What Corey Ten Boom and her family went through, uh, she documents in that book, and it, it'll change your life. And, and this quote here by Adam Lehman, where he says this widespread experience with anti-Semitism is driving Jewish students to hide their identities is exactly what happened in Nazi Germany in the 1930s. And uh, we cannot relive this in America. We cannot allow this to happen in America. We can't. Um, we just can't. And, and we have to speak out about it as we see it. We have to speak out about it. And, and the fact that I'm talking about it right now, uh, you know, is it, it involves us speaking out about it. And that's the reason I want you to share this show today, because other people need to hear this and other people need to be speaking out about it. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. It is my belief that the majority of Americans are us in this country, you and me, the, the America Out Loud audience. I believe we are the majority in the country, but we have to we have to get loud. We have to become vocal. And we have to become vocal about this very topic, among others. But this topic we have to become vocal about. We can't let this slide. Uh, we we it's it's appalling that Jewish students have to feel like they're they need to hide their identity. ADL, which is the uh, Anti-Defamation League, the ADL CEO, Jonathan Greenblatt. This is what he states. Jewish students are experiencing a wave of anti-Semitism unlike anything we've seen before. But shockingly, non-Jewish students barely see it. All right, this is Nazi Germany all over again. Um, you, you know, the, the those that weren't Jewish they turned a blind eye to what was happening. The German church turned a blind eye to what was happening in 1930s. Um, oh, what's his name? He wrote a book called Letter to the American Church, and his name is escaping me. Oh, I can see his face. Come on, he's got glasses. 
Everybody knows him. Ah, what's his name? I'm going I'm to have to look it up on the break. He wrote a letter to the American church. And in, in that book, he, he's outlining, uh, you know, what happened in, in 1930 Nazi, Nazi Germany. And he's saying the church has to open its eyes right now. And, and I would take it a step further and say, yes, the church and, and, and all of America, uh, we, we have to, uh, you know, this is, this is not something that we can quote, uh, barely see it. All right. Uh, this quote continues. Since the October 7 massacre in Israel, Jewish students feel increasingly threatened on campus, but college leaders are not doing enough to address this very real fear of anti-Semitism. <clears throat> and he's right. Uh, college leaders are not doing enough. And uh, we're going to see that unfold here. You, 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 you're going to watch this unfold. I've got three or four clips that we're going to play of college leaders being called in on the carpet from the House Education and Workforce Committee. And they are going to be grilled. And their responses are appalling. And, you know, and that they just are. I, I don't I don't have another word for it. Their responses are despicable. Uh, you know, so Jonathan Greenblatt is correct. College leaders are not doing enough to address this. Uh, this article continues. In late October 2023, Jewish students were locked in a campus library at Manhattan's prestigious Cooper Union College. Prestigious! The prestigious Cooper Union College in Manhattan. Uh-huh. Jewish students are locked in the campus library there as pro-Palestinian protesters outside the building called for the globalization of Intifada. Intifada is essentially a genocide of the Jewish people. That's, that's what it is. That, I mean, that's its definition. And pro-Palestinian protesters are outside of this campus library calling for the globalization of Intifada. It's no longer, you know, happening in just one country. This is no longer isolated to Germany. We've got these people out here, these despicable, evil human beings who I don't even know that you can call them that. Dean, how dare you? I'm serious. I, I am. Uh, you, you know, when you have, you know, someone calling for the genocide of an entire group of people, uh, are they human? Hmm. Yep, that's the question. According to several reports, the students told security that they felt unsafe as the protesters approached the library and the doors were locked. The protesters were chanting slogans like globalize the Intifada and free, free Palestine as they banged down the doors. Oh, yeah, that's not comforting. Uh-uh, nothing about that's comforting. you got a mob outside screaming for the for the globalization of, of your death, the death of your people. Hmm. I mean, how would you feel if everybody in your neighborhood 
gathered around your house and started banging on 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 the on, on your doors and your windows. You locked your doors and windows, and the entire neighborhood was banging on your doors and windows, screaming uh, for the death of everyone inside your home, you and your family. How would that make you feel? Because that's essentially what's happening here. And you know what are what are our college leaders doing about it? Oh, you're going to find out. You're about to find out. Jake Novak, former media director at the Israeli consulate in New York, shared updates throughout the protest as he received information from students. So somehow he's getting information and and, and he's tweeting this out. He says, breaking now. My sources tell me several Jewish students at Cooper Union are currently locked in the school library as a pro-Hamas rally outside of the Cooper Union building learned the Jews were afraid and sitting in the library. Then brought the protest inside and are barricading all exits. Police have been called for 40 minutes and are afraid to get involved. Security locked the students in as they are worried they cannot protect the Jews. And this is what... um, the, the former media director at the Israeli consulate in New York is is tweeting out that day as it's happening live. Um, the uh, prestigious Cooper Union College. I would love if the prestigious Cooper Union College would have been called in on the carpet. That's what I would have loved. The December 5th, so a couple of days ago, the House Education and and Workforce Committee invited three prestigious universities and their presidents, invited them to testify before the committee. They they had in, let me see, who'd who'd they have? President Gay of Harvard University, of the elite woke Harvard, President Gay, the esteemed, and noteworthy President Gay, the University of Pennsylvania's Liz McGill, the esteemed and noteworthy Liz McGill, and MIT, the esteemed and noteworthy MIT's Sally Kornbluth. All right, Sally Kornbluth. So you have Kornbluth, you have McGill, and you have Gay. Called in to testify before the House Education and Workforce Committee. New York Representative Elise Stefanik and her Republican colleagues grilled the presidents um, and sent President Gay running for her talking points. Uh, and, And here's the thing, as I play these clips, the fact that these ladies just continually they, they won't answer the questions they've got talking points up there up there that they just repeat they they just repeat the the, the statement and you know why why even come just issue your statement and say you know what I'm not I'm not answering your questions because you're wasting everybody's time but the important thing here is we know who these people are this is why these types of hearings are important. So we can determine, so we can figure out, so the whole world can see who these people exactly are. And I and you're not going to like it. 
Mm, you're not going to like it. Committee chairwoman, Virginia Fox. We love Virginia Fox. I mean, she's like your grandmother. Uh, she's this, you know, this little white-haired lady who's just, I mean, she's adorable, but she's a fireball. Holy cow, she's a fireball. She's out of North Carolina, and she chairs the Education and Workforce Committee. Uh, the committee Republicans repeatedly blamed elite universities for inviting the, the quote, rot of anti-Semitism, as Chairwoman Virginia Fox termed it. The rot. You guys, you know, you keep inviting this. You're not putting this down. You're not stopping it. You're you're 100% allowing this to unfold before our very eyes, before the country. Uh, and and you're, you're perfectly okay with it. I mean, that's the point here. Uh, they called um, President Gay, Liz McGill, and Sally Kornbluth. They called them to testify to give them the chance to answer to and atone for the many specific instances of anti-Semitism that has denied their students a safe and learning environment since the October 7th terrorist attack by Hamas on Israel. Uh, and you know what? You are... Uh, you're in for it. I'm telling you what, you're not going to be happy about it. And I'm coming up on the break. So uh, I'm not going to dive into any clips now. It would just be, I mean, we're just going to play them again. Uh, you know, something has to give here. Something, something has to give. I believe it will give. And I believe the only way it will give is if we keep shining a light on it, is if we keep talking about it, if we keep hammering it. Uh, we need truth to prevail. All right, and I believe it will. And we will pick that truth up on the other side of this break. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Lean, pure, with premium ingredients, Global Healing's Pure Plant Protein offers 20 grams of protein per scoop and it's a perfect way to maintain and build lean muscle while indulging yourself. It combines enzymes and probiotics to maximize nutrient absorption, improving digestion, and your gut health. Available in vanilla and chocolate flavors, elevate your protein consumption while supporting your overall wellness with pure plant protein. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD, Global Healing giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. America Out Loud is the rise of the new media. It's where smart people go to get their news and entertainment. So congratulations, on being one of the smart ones. Congratulations on making it to the Dean's List. All right. So we are discussing the House Education and Workforce Committee calling on the carpet 
the three bigwigs, the Harvard president, the Penn president, and the MIT president. Uh, after this report came out, this survey from the Anti-Defamation League and the Hillel International, or Hillel International, this survey uh, said nearly 73% of Jewish students have experienced some sort of uh, anti-Semitism or they've watched it happen to somebody else on campus. All right. That's, that is, those numbers are, well, they're uncalled for. So the Education and Workforce Committee in the House has called these, these presidents in. All right. And, you know, and their, their whole point was to allow them to answer and atone for uh, the many specific instances of anti-Semitism that has denied many of their Jewish students a safe and learning environment. That's we're just we just want some answers. We want to hear from you three. You know, what, what's your stance on this? What do you um, you know, what's your policy? All right. So Cornbluth. Corn Cornbluth. Cornbluth is the uh, she's the MIT gal. All right. She says, quote, those who want us to shut down protest language are in effect arguing for a speech code. But in practice, speech codes do not work. Sorry, they they, they just don't work. And, and uh, you know, th those of you that want us to shut down protest language, well, that's what you're asking us to do. And it just, we're not going to do it. Uh-uh. No, we're not going to do it. However, you know, when when... Uh, physicist Dorian Abbott is going to make an appearance in a speech at MIT. Uh, you know, what does MIT, MIT do? Oh, well, they shut her down. You know, they're, they're not going to, they're going to cancel her visit. Why would they cancel Dorian Abbott's visit? I mean, she's a physicist for crying out loud. Well, I'll tell you why. Because she criticizes DEI mandates. That's why. Uh, you know, is MIT going to stand for that? No, MIT is all about DEI mandates. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. We are MIT. We're diverse. We're full of equity and we're inclusive. Why we can't have physicist Dorian Abbott coming to our college and, and speaking against DEI? That's, that's, oh, we can't do that. But, you know, Cornbluth is never going to allow, you know, the shutdown of protest language. Uh-uh, we can't have that. I mean, we have to allow our 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 students here to, to scream, uh, you know, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Intifada, you know, we have to allow them to scream for global intifada. I mean, we can't shut that speech down. Uh, the, these people have have zero credibility. Cornbluth uh, also uh, denied a, a visit from Mike Pompeo because she felt like he was going to criticize China. Uh huh. And so you know we can't have that. But by golly, we can have our students screaming for the the globalization of Intifada. They have no credibility. All right, all of them. They have zero credibility. Now, a couple of days ago, we uh, we did an analysis of the great debate between Ron DeSantis and Gavin. I'm a handsome Newsom, style over substance Newsom, SOS. 
Gavin Newsom. All right, so we we analyzed the, this this debate, and uh, we did it from the we we did our analysis from the the perspective of rhetoric class. And in rhetoric class, we talk about Aristotle and his introduction of the three modes of persuasion. All right, if you miss that, go back, go back and find it. It's a great show. Uh, if I do say so myself, it's fine analysis, even if I do say so myself. Aristotle uh, pointed out that there are three modes of persuasion, ethos, pathos, logos. Ethos refers to the speaker's credibility. Pathos refers to the emotion of the audience. Logos refers to what is being spoken or, 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 or debated. Aristotle said that the most important element of persuasion is the speaker's ethos, even over the emotion of the audience or the actual logistical reasoning of the of the speech. It's the speaker's credibility. Is that individual trustworthy? Do they tell the truth? Are they honest? Do they have credibility? If they have credibility, then you can believe what they say and they're more apt to persuade you. Cornbluth has zero ethos, zero. If if there was a um, a credibility monitor up there, you know, next to her during this hearing, it would be uh, it would not be going off. It would be dead silent. However, if there was uh, a lack of credibility monitor, that thing would be be blaring the whole time she was talking. You wouldn't be able to hear her speak because the uh, lack of credibility monitor would be. All right, you get my point. Uh, she says we we can't practice speech codes. You know, we can't shut down protest language. Uh, students need to be able to call for intifada, but by golly, we can't have physicist historian Abbott criticizing DEI. Uh-uh, can't do it. Um, Republicans reminded President Gay, you know, when she spoke up, that Harvard came in dead last in the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expressions annual free speech survey. All right. This is this is a you know something that they that they rank college campuses on on free speech. Harvard came in dead last. Out of 248 campuses that were surveyed, Harvard came in 248. Yep. That's their that's their record for free speech. They were the first campus to ever receive a score of zero out of 100. Oh, man. And But they'll stand up here and tout free speech all day long. Penn was ranked 247th out of 248. You know, so then you've got, uh, you know, you've got this Penn president, the Penn gal, and you got the Harvard gal up there side by side, Maggle and Gay up there side by side. Coming in at a close whopping second place for dead last in the free speech survey. MIT, eh, they finished the middle of the pack. 146. Not impressive at all. It seems that perhaps Harvard's commitment to free speech is pretty selective, said Representative Tim Wahlberg, the prize of Michigan. He said that in response to Gay's frequent distinction between tolerating hateful views and punishing harassing actions. 
uh-huh you guys you have no credibility you're a bunch of liars and all you're going to do is sit up there yeah i call them liars i did because they are they're not going to answer questions truthfully they're going to sit up there and repeat their blooming talking points uh representative Wahlberg, the pride of michigan cited harvard alum and hedge fund magnate Bill Ackman's public letter to Gay on Sunday, which said the university, quote, effectively excommunicated epidemiologist Tyler Vanderweel for his traditional marriage and pro-life views and forced evolutionary biologist Carol Hooven to resign for publicly saying sex is biological and binary. Uh, so Bill Ackman is not stopping here, and, and I hope he doesn't. I hope he continues to lambaste Harvard until mm, – uh, in what world, he says, here's his quote, in what world is a call for violence against Jews' protected speech, but a belief that sex is biological and binary is not protected speech? That's what he's asking. President Gay. I mean, seriously, and these, these that's why they have no credibility, you know, because they talk of, uh, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to play the clips for you. All right. Are you ready? Let's dive in. All right. This first clip, Elise Stefanik is asking a question to Hornbluth, the MIT gal. She says, at MIT, does calling at MIT, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment? Yes or no? If targeted at individuals not making public statements. So according to the MIT gal, uh, targeting individuals is uh, definitely in violation of the uh, code of conduct at MIT. But not if you're just making a public statement. I mean, if you're just <laughs> if you're just out here publicly saying all Jews need to die, I mean, well, that's fine. I mean, that's that, that's perfectly that's perfectly within the bounds of the code of conduct at MIT. You gotta be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct if targeted at individuals? not making a public statement. So you can be out there with your with your bullhorn uh, out in, in the wherever on the campus lawn and be screaming uh, genocide to all Jews. And that's fine. That's fine to you, Miss Miss Cornbluth. You're perfectly okay. That perfectly falls in line with your code of conduct. Okay, so you you see who we're dealing with here. This woman has zero credibility. She's evil, and she she needs to go. She needs to resign. Uh, whoever is in charge of hiring and firing, whatever board oversees this lady, uh, of course, the board's probably as woke as, as the rest of them. If targeted individuals not making a public statement. All right, so here's Stefanik's Next question, this is the same question, and she asks to Miss McGill of, of Penn. She says, Miss McGill, at Penn, 
Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. What do you mean if the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment? What? 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 I mean, the, the, the question was, Miss McGill, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate the rules or code of conduct? And McGill says, if the speech turns into, into conduct, it can be horrific. Well, conduct, what, what do you mean? So if, if actual genocide happens, uh, you know, because that's the question. Uh, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate the, 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 the code of conduct? And she says, by the way, she waits about five seconds to answer this question. Um, and she's sitting there like a, a deer in the headlights trying to think, oh, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? What, 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 what? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. <laughs> well, you got to be kidding me, Miss McGill. So if there's actual genocide taking place, well, then you know, maybe it can be harassment. Not even will be. Uh, it it can be. I mean, possibly. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of up in the air. I mean, I guess if there were actual genocide happening and then, well, maybe. I mean, I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's complicated. I mm, 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 You see who we're dealing with. Yeah. You know, they cannot simply answer the question. All right. So here is the same question posed to uh, Dr. Gay at Harvard. Dr. Gay, at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules for bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. What's the context? Targeted as an individual. So uh, I guess, uh, you know, Dr. Gay and Sally Kornbluth compared notes before this hearing because, you know, they're both, you know, Gay says well, it can be depending on the context. Well, what's the context? The targeted as an individual. Uh, and that's what, you know, that's what MIT said. The MIT gal said, yeah, it could be harassment if it's targeted at, as a, at an individual. Um, yeah, you know, that's the context. I mean, it, but but not if it's just a, a public statement. I mean, if it's not targeted at an individual, then, you know, it's not considered harassment. I mean, if someone's just out there yelling, it's not targeted at an individual, then it's not harassment. This is a joke. It's a flat out joke. So uh, I'm I'm holding the 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 ethical conduct. Uh, that MIT puts out. This is on their website. Uh, harassment, under the harassment heading. According to, to the MIT policy, in order to create a respectful, welcoming, and productive community, the Institute is committed to providing a living, working, and learning environment that is free from harassment. But, you know, if it's not targeted at an individual, that you know, the, they don't have to, the group doesn't have to feel harassed. I mean, these these poor kids locked up in this library. This is ridiculous. It's not targeted at an individual. 
I mean, just the, the unruly mobs out there screaming for the death of, of, of the whole you know population. But, it, you know, it's not an individual. So we, we don't really count that as harassment. Oh, what a joke. Listen to the pen policy. Uh, let me see what uh, this is. This is their, oh, here it is. Definition of workplace violence. Workplace violence is defined as any violent behavior or threat of violent behavior that would cause harm or reasonable fear of physical harm to a university employee, other member or guest of the university community, or anyone with whom the university is conducting business. But yet, uh, you know, McGill, Lady Penn over here, after five seconds says, you know, if the speech turns into conduct, it could be harassment. Uh, you know, it's got to become conduct. I mean, just, you know, but 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 listen to their to their definition here. Uh, the pen definition of violence behaviors or conduct that are not tolerated include the following. Uh committing a violent felony, blah, 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 including but not limited to stalking, intimidation, coercion, harassment, and assault. St intimidation, you don't think that uh, calling for the genocide of an entire group of people, Miss McGill, Lady Penn, is intimidation? We're dealing with buffoons up there. All right, we will pick this up on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. 
It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Welcome back to The Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. And we are discovering that either the the college presidents are lying or their published code of conducts are a sham. And it's probably both. Uh, I, I couldn't find the Harvard code of conduct. I mean, if they have it on their website, it's buried somewhere. They don't want people to find it because they don't want people to know that they're not following it when it comes to anti-Semitism. You know, because, uh, you know, we have to allow protest speech. I mean, that's, that is protected speech right there. But, you know, when you're criticizing DEI, uh-uh. No, that's got to be shut down. Shut down. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, it's yeah, anti-Semitism uh, and this speech calling for the genocide of Jews. It's not harassment only if it becomes actual conduct is it harassment uh yet in their policies harassment is defined as um intimidation no that's not intimidation dean come on you know that no one's being intimidated i mean just because their lives are being threatened that's that's just ridiculous intimidation what are you thinking Representative Jim Banks got in on the questioning. He had Lady Penn up there on the uh, on the stand. Lady Penn, what's her name? Oh, McGill, Miss McGill. He here's the question he asks: Miss McGill, just weeks before the October seven terror attack against Israel, Penn hosted Palestine Rights Literature Festival, an event that featured Mark Lamont Hill. Well. You know, what's the big deal about Hill? Well, Mark Lamont Hill was fired by CNN for calling for the destruction of Israel. Oh, really? Yet, you know, Penn's going to host this Palestine event, and they're going to invite Mark Lamont Hill. Yeah, you can come, Mark. I mean, that's fine. We don't care that you're calling for the destruction of Israel. I mean, free speech. It all It also hosted and included a member of the Palestinian youth movement which has collaborated with anti-Israel terrorists. Uh, Jim Banks continues, and maybe most notably, your third speaker was Roger Waters, former Pink Floyd vocalist. The same Roger Waters, by the way, who publicly used anti-Jewish slurs, desecrated the memory of Anne Frank, and has dressed up as a Nazi and floated a pig balloon with a Star of David at most of his concerts. Oh, man. Doesn't he just sound like a winner? I mean, he just, uh, tell you what, that Roger Waters, tell you what, he's a guy. I mean, I mean, of course you want him to speak at your campus. Give me a break. So here's what Jim Banks asks. He's, you know, he's defined these three guests. And Jim Banks says, why in the world would you host someone like that on your college campus to speak at the so-called Palestinian Rights Literature Festival? Why in the world, Lady Penn? Please, please tell us. 
All right. And and here's I I, I don't have this clip. I mean, I could have put it in, but it's just uh, I, I'm just going to read her answer to you. She says anti-Semitism has no place at Penn. That, that's her answer. I mean, she didn't really answer the question. Why in the world would you host someone like Roger Waters and Mark Lamont Hill and this other joker? Anti-Semitism has no place at Penn. So he repeats the question. I mean, okay, that's fine. But why would you host Roger Waters? Anti-Semitism has no place at Penn. And our free speech policies are guided by the U.S. Constitution. I mean, oh, okay, that's fine. But, but, and he asks a third time, but why in the world would you host someone like Roger Waters? And and then she just pauses. She just stares at him like, man, how can I how can I get out of this? I mean, she is frozen like a deer in the headlights on a fall evening, uh, just you know, running away from a hunter. She just she's just sitting there staring at him. Finally, she says, shockingly, anti-Semitism has no place at Ben. She can't answer the question. All she can do is refer to her talking points. That's what all what any of them any of them can do is refer to their talking points. I mean, lady, why not just be honest and gain some credibility and say, you know, we agree with Roger Waters. I mean, just say it. I mean, you could at least gain some credibility. I mean, we know you do. Dean, how dare you? Are you calling her an anti-Semite? Yes. Yes, I am. Absolutely. I am. Her answers uh, speak volumes. All right, but uh, Jim Banks wasn't done. He asks this follow-up to uh, Lady Penn, Miss McGill. Miss McGill, uh, recently in a memo, you outlining uh, Penn's uh, a memo you've written outlining Penn's free speech policies. You stated that quote it does not regulate the content of speech or symbolic behavior, including speech incompatible with the school's values. Okay. You went on to say that does not have a policy against speech because, quote, defining and policing robust debate, even with respect to the most disturbing issues, is unwise. All right. So, you know, you're not going to, uh, you know, your policy is you're not going to, um, you're not going to dispel robust debate, even with respect to the most disturbing issues. It's unwise. All right. So in 2013, then, and, and, and this is what he, he dives into. 2013, you canceled uh, now Prime Minister Modi, who was scheduled to be uh, the keynote address at Orton. Uh, you hosted an economic forum in the face of opposition from Indian American professors. And for the past year, administration uh, has sought to punish Amy Wax, who's a tenured law professor, for her stance on DEI and identity issues. And then, and, and, and then, Lady Penn, you canceled an event with former ICE director Tom Holman uh, due to disruptive student protest simply because he worked for former President Donald Trump. And Miss McGill, he says... The fact is that uh, that, that uh, regulates speech 
or no, I'm sorry. The fact is, Miss McGill, that Penn regulates speech that it doesn't like. Oh, there's the truth of the matter. Everyone gets this. No one more than the faculty and students who know exactly where the lines are drawn and that they're okay to cross. So why did Penn let Professor Ahmad Amala off the hook, who let hundreds of students or who led hundreds of students in chanting or chanting, there's only one solution, Antifida Revolution. There's only one solution. Antifida Revolution. This professor at Penn, uh, he he led hundreds of, hundreds of students in this chant. So Representative Banks says, "So why does that professor still have a job at your university?" Mm, and then it's it's crickets. It is uh, it's ap- it's absolute crickets for um, at least four or five seconds until she gives this feeble answer. Representative, our approach to uh, speech is as I identified, it follows and is guided by the United States Constitution, uh, which allows for robust perspectives. Uh, I disagree with the characterization uh, that we treat speech differently, uh, and I can't discuss any individual disciplinary perspective. What a joke. What, What a flat out joke. I mean, is this a Saturday Night Live comedy routine? Because it it feels like it. Uh, that th- this lady has uh, she has no shame. I mean, he just read to her uh, uh, a characterization of how she treats speech differently, <laughs> and she says, "I disagree that we treat speech differently." Uh, you're a mm, dean. Mm-mm. You. Mm. Oh, I, I just. All right, so we have examples here of of presidents, college, big-time college presidents being called on the carpet. And it's important that the importance of this is that we know who these people are and we know what they stand for. Uh, And everyday, normal, middle-of-the-road Americans need to just do what we've been doing to Disney, uh, do what we did to Bud Light, do what we're, you know, and we just need to say, no, we're not, we're not going to woke Harvard. We're not going to woke Penn. We're not going to woke MIT. We're done. Uh, definitely the Jewish community, but, but us uh, everyday Americans, I mean, not just the Jewish community, all of us, all of us that love freedom. We need to put our foot down and say, we're done with your universities. We're we're done with you. This is how we're going to treat you. We're going to give you the Disney treatment. We're going to give you the Bud Light treatment. You know what? Uh, It's incumbent upon us to do this. It is. uh, It's just incumbent upon us. If we don't, friends, if that's not our response, then... uh, then dare I say December 7th will have been in vain. And what we fought and overcame for uh, in World War II would have been in vain. If that is not our response, then, you know, what happened on that day in 1941, a day that began as just a serene morning uh, at at the U.S. Navy base on the island of 
Oahu, Oahu, in Hawaii. I mean, just just a normal sunny Sunday. The warships of America's Pacific Fleet rested at anchor. Many sailors just, you know, prepping for church, you know, relaxing. All's quiet. Pearl Harbor. Until 7.55 in the morning, a buzz from the sky broke the calm as a dive bomber bearing the red symbol of the rising sun of Japan dropped out of the clouds. And seconds later, a swarm of Japanese warplanes followed. Sirens wailed as explosions sounded across the harbor and black smoke poured into the sky. American sailors scrambled to battle stations while the Japanese planes screamed in for the kill. The main targets were several huge battleships moored in the harbor. I mean, we all know the story. Anti-craft guns roared to life, but they did little good. Bombs and torpedoes hit ship after ship after ship. The Arizona, the Oklahoma, the California, the West Virginia, the Utah, the Maryland, the Pennsylvania, the Tennessee, and the Nevada. Sailors fought to save their ships, their comrades, and their own lives. Much of the California's crew abandoned ship after flames engulfed its stern. Until the captain... Determined the battleship might be saved, Yeoman Dural Connor hoisted the American flag from the stern. At the sight of the colors, the sailors returned to fight the fires and keep her afloat. Despite such heroes in action, the attack reduced much of the fleet to smoldering wreckage. The Japanese planes disappeared into the sky, leaving 2,000. 400 of our precious sons and daughters dead, 1,200 wounded, 18 ships, more than 300 American planes destroyed or damaged. News of the disaster left Americans stunned, but not for long. A remark attributed to Japanese Admiral Isoruku Yamamoto, who planned the attack. This is how he sums up the results of Pearl Harbor. Quote, I fear we have awakened a sleeping giant and instilled in him a terrible resolve. And you, Mr. Emperor, would be correct. You did awaken a sleeping giant. You did instill in him a terrible resolve. And it's my assertion that that sleeping giant needs to be awakened again. And I believe it is happening. I believe it is being awakened. And I believe that resolve is returning. It has to, because we cannot allow this, this heinous act. It's the same act that, that blew us out of the water in Pearl Harbor. It's the exact same thing. We're fighting against the exact same evil. It's just resurfacing now in America on college campuses. And these college presidents are doing nothing to stop it except bloviating in front of congressional hearings and all the American people to hear the bloviation. We cannot allow, you know, we can't allow December 7th to just, you know, to be for naught. Uh, Winston Churchill 
to him, the Japanese attack on on the U.S., you know, on the naval forces at Pearl Harbor was one of the greatest days of the most terrible war in Great Britain's history. He he was appalled, calculating and exhilarated, perhaps in an equal measure. Uh, the report is he was dining at Checkers, uh, the country retreat of prime ministers, uh, when he got the news. Uh, it said that a, a butler brought in a portable radio uh, for his party to listen to the BBC home service. And when the attack was confirmed, it is said that Churchill leapt to his feet and said he must declare war on Japan at once. You know, his guests, yeah, you know, calmed him down. Uh, the prime minister phoned Roosevelt and asked, Mr. President, what's this about Japan? And then, of course, FDR, you know, tells him that it's all true. To Churchill, this meant one thing above all. It meant victory. Britain was no longer alone. Finally, Japan had invited the U.S. into the war. Being, being saturated and satiated with emotion and sensation, this is what Churchill is writing. I went to bed and slept the sleep of the saved and thankful. That's what he wrote in his own history of World War II. After hearing the news, I went to bed and slept the sleep of the saved and the thankful. Uh, because we entered the war, uh, the emperor's assertion was correct. A sleeping giant was awakened, and he was awakened with a terrible resolve, and we turned the tide in that war. And... Uh, we have to continue fighting this exact same evil or December 7th will have been for naught and our reply and our actions will have been for naught. Wow, Dean, that's, that's dramatic. That's yeah, it is, but it's the truth. And that's why I, I, I don't think we are just going to roll over. And that's why I, I say, you know, share this, share this podcast with everybody, you know, because every American needs to rise up against this. All right. That's all the time we have for today, America. Thank you for joining me. Invite your friends and family to get on the Dean's List. We must unite to renovate the age. <laughs>